What's going on guys, Spurs fans? My name is Tom Petrini and I decided, you know what? You know what the world needs more of? The sound of two men talking over each other. So I brought in Evan <laughs> Klosky. Emmy winner, Evan Klosky. Emmy winner, Evan Klosky. Thank, thank uh, why, why don't we just start out with your uh, acceptance speech, Evan? Who, my, who would you like to thank? The speech, my acceptance speech is I went zero for 11 in nominations before finally coming through on the 12th try. So perseverance is a virtue. Uh, same with persistence, however the saying goes. But uh, I do appreciate you uh, giving me a shout out there. And it was, it was a nice honor to receive and a nice team win for Ken's five. So uh, in the sports department. So it's cool. It was a hey, cool moment. Hey, man, you, you don't need to put that shooting percentage in Twitter bio. It just <laughs> says Emmy winner. Um, and you know, it's pretty cool that I went from a year ago, like building my own podcast and YouTube stuff to now having, uh, you know, the Robin of my <laughs> Spurs podcast be an Emmy winner. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It's my, my sidekick before, before you grab that in, I mean, it starts, you know, maybe you get a Murrow who knows when that's going to happen soon. I'm, I'm coming, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just great that my sidekick has won one now. So that, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, well it's the Spurs off season. I, I am, but at least I'm a funny clown. Um, lovable clown too. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel, I, I think people like laughing at me. <laughs> um, so let's, let's start talking about this Spurs off season. Mm-hmm. Um, we have watched a lot of good basketball in the bubble. Uh, has has anything that you've seen in the bubble made you say, okay, you know, the direction of the league is so clearly going this way, the Spurs need this in the draft? Uh, no, mostly because I don't think the Spurs are necessarily knocking on the doorstep to be, uh, you know, an inch away from a title in that sense. You know, like if you're the Clippers – you need to find a way to beat the Lakers and evidently the Denver Nuggets as well. So it's a little bit different when you're sort of game planning a piece or two away. Uh, For the Spurs, they just need to draft the right guy who is going to help elevate this bunch and put them on a path to eventually get to those title chances. So we know that San Antonio is – maybe a couple of years away before actually contending if everything blossoms the way it should be with some of the younger players. So no, in terms of the Spurs, absolutely not. When it comes to general thoughts of the the bubble though, uh, Jamal Murray just has absolutely stole the show in his ability to elevate Denver. He has always been this guy that uh, I, I don't, Inconsistent maybe is the best word. Obviously, Spurs fans remember that series a couple of years ago where, you know, San Antonio and Denver went seven games. And Jamal Murray that year, just like most years, like when he did well, Denver won. When he stunk, they lost. And he's been sort of that player for the Nuggets. And, I mean, we never really knew his ceiling. And just seeing the bubble play from him, it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, Denver. Yeah. When we got later in this podcast and we talked about potential trade targets and who we think San Antonio should call or receive, like Denver is a team that needs to buy now. They, they are close. They are very close, and they are like a piece away. Yeah, the, the jump that Jamal Murray made, I mean, last year, that seven-game series with the Spurs, um, you know, he was good. He had his moments, 
but to me he looked like a a point guard who was decent at a lot of things didn't have a single elite NBA skill mm-hmm. and fast forward a little over a year he's hitting Michael Jordan pump fake layup over up and under through LeBron James uh, I went out in I went out into my driveway and tried that the next day and I learned very quickly that LeBron James or no LeBron James the key to be able to being able to pull that off is you have to be able to jump and then like hang in the air for three seconds <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was not something I was able to do my feet came down very quickly and I felt Luckily, a compression go through my entire spine first. oh my gosh that was that was rough but yeah all around play in the bubble has been really cool um, uh, I think a lot of people expected the Lakers in the in the finals. I don't think anybody expected Miami to be here, but man, they're legit. No, um, another another team that look, I, I think the Lakers are going to win it all. Oh, big pick from me, but nonetheless, I think Miami once we <laughs> real get done once, once we get done with this season, Miami of course is going to be a team that needs to add a piece. So teasing ahead, obviously there's a player on the Spurs who has been linked to Miami in the past who potentially could be a target for them in the future. So there we go. That's a tease. Ooh. Um, speaking of Miami, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to watch Bam Adebayo play and not think about how Popovich decided that Mason Plumley was more necessary for Team USA. Mason Plumley, who did the, hey, we should guard Anthony Davis defense. <laughs> Yeah, and evidently Jeremy Grant was like, I do want to bail out Plumlee like a little bit because evidently somebody said Grant in the timeout was like, hey, I need help here. So Plumlee like just said, okay, I'm just going to help you and completely forget my assignment. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, uh, I, mind-boggling is the only word. Yeah, I don't know how, yeah. how Plumlee won that battle, but obviously but- Pop was wrong. We we need to talk about though the guy. You know, a lot of people said, Oh, what's his MVP case? Well, he's now brought three different franchises to the NBA finals. Danny Green. <laughs> amazing job from the former Spur. Um when you think about people you need to build around, starts Danny Green, then then works its way out, uh to, I don't know, maybe right. LeBron James. But that's really an ancillary piece when you consider Danny Green. If you have Danny McCaw, Green, the rest McCaw, figures itself out. McCaw is another guy that you might want to build around as well. Great pedigree of making NBA Finals, whether with Golden State or Toronto. Just Andre Iguodala going to his sixth straight right. Finals with the Heat now. Coincidence? That's pretty I cool. Think not. No. They... That's that's the that is the go-to offseason. Maybe that's what the Spurs need to do in free agency, which we'll talk about later in the show. Uh, but maybe the Spurs need to target a guy who like rode the end of a bench. Uh, you know, Iguodala not so much, but but a guy like McCaw who's been to a bunch of different finals in a row, and you know, you you can just have him on that team. See if the streak keeps going. Play that good going. luck charm game. Yeah, I'm in it. Have you seen Dan- – I feel so bad for Danny Green because now that he's in, like, a market with people, he was already trending every other night in Texas when he was here. 
But yeah. now it's like global. Yeah. Now, now, now the Danny Green slander is just like across. It's shore to shore, Laker Nation. Uh, the, uh, the funny part, and like San Antonio fans know this, is like when it comes to the Danny Green stuff. This is nothing new. Like San Antonio fans, right. we're doing this for years. Like, oh my God, you're telling me that Danny Green just can't make a shot all of a sudden, looks terrible. Whoa, you're telling me that one random game, Danny Green's going to go off and it's going to make you feel good about yourself for a couple of weeks. And then you're like, oh no, it's the other Danny Green again. It's, you know, but, but that is what it is here in San Antonio and even obviously Toronto last year, just now that he's in the spotlight, can't really hide as much as you used to from those, uh, from those rough performances. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. I think the Lakers will probably win this, but I mean, can't sleep on the heat. You really can't no. because they, they've bought in defensively. If anybody knows how to scheme against LeBron James, it's probably Spo. Um, a, a tremendous, Jimmy, uh, an underrated head coach, by the way, is Polstra, because a lot of times uh, when we talk about his resume, you know, I think the same would go to Steve Kerr, except I think a lot more people give him love than, than Spo. Just it always goes down to, well, you had LeBron and you had Wade and you had Bosh and then whatever. But look at what he's built post that big three era and his ability to get this team to the finals. Just he is, yeah. he's a Hall of Fame coach in my eyes. Once it's all yeah. said done. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind for that one. Um, but so we, we do a show for Spurs fans and Spurs fans have nothing to really pay too much attention to in the bubble, except hoping that Miami, I'm, I'm assuming will come and yeah. pull us out. Um, so let's talk some about this 2020 draft class. Uh, a lot of people have called it a weaker draft class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly isn't loaded with top end talent that'll go in the top five, 10 picks. Um, you know, every, every one of these prospects has some strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but I think for the type of player that the Spurs are going to be looking for a, for the type of the sp- player that the Spurs need B type of player, that's probably going to be available at 11. Cause we know they're going to pick there unless they trade. Um, I think this draft is full of guys that the Spurs could take at that point and make a good amount of their fans happy uh, and, and have it going in the right direction. But first let's talk about guys who are projected to go a little higher in this draft, who the Spurs would probably have to trade up to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some players in, in the top, you know, five, top eight consensus in mock drafts that you've seen that you think would be good fits for the Spurs? Yeah. So I was scouring a bunch of mock drafts before doing this podcast just to sort of have an element of who is a consensus top five, who is a consensus top 10, which essentially would be out of the world for the Spurs to get. And, and I just want to make this point before I go into that, you know, you mentioned how this is like the, the whole arc of this draft is like, this is like the weakest draft in like forever. And as you mentioned from the top, absolutely. There, there are no, superstars coming out and like, Hey, this guy is going to be an all-star game changer, turn around a franchise immediately once he steps onto the court. So there is none of that, but this draft does have tons of depth. I think you're going to see a lot of NBA veterans in this draft 
guys who hang around a while, uh, who impact some teams in smaller roles. Um, so, so just keep an eye on that because I do think it's a fairly deep draft. It's a draft where I do want to have a lower pick because decisions are made for me versus me making decisions and possibly making a wrong decision and being yelled at uh, a little bit later for it. But I digress. So uh, first and foremost, Anthony Edwards uh, will arguably be a top three pick. I think that's a fairly consensus idea here. Uh, if I am Minnesota, I am not drafting LaMelo Ball. Uh, just there is no way in my eyes that LaMelo is going to go through his first contract in Minnesota, regardless of what he is, and want to stay. And that's just a reality of the balls and what we know about them. And obviously being attracted to a, a bigger market. I just, I just would rather not deal with that. It just, I just think he's a, a high profile guy. He's going to want to go to a big market if he blossoms and sure, you know, we can, we can debate whether he's worth it or not. And like, he's a, a, a great talent. He potentially could be the biggest game changer for any team um, in this draft. But having said that, I, you know, recent reports came out that LaMelo does not want to change his shot. And that has some evaluators worried that he, he, it's a wonky shot. If you look at his brother, wonky shot. Now it works for him still doesn't mean it's what you want to invest in and, and rely on long-term because it's not easily repeatable. So there now, are, I, I agree that we know way too much about the ball family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, I think that kind of overshadows him. I, I think that in a way can, um, you know, take away from or distract from. He's a really special basketball player. He is. At his, at his size and like, you know, if he ever does figure out how to make that shot go in the hole. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if his shot gets even close to how good he thinks it is when he lets it go. Uh, yeah. he's going to be a really dangerous player and, you know, natural guard skills. He's six, eight. He's probably going to get bigger. I mean, yeah, I, dude, there's a lot to like about LaMelo. And I say all that stuff because he's a consensus top three pick, you know, yeah. he, he, he's not dropping out of the top five and arguably he should be the number one. I'm kind of making a devil's advocate argument as to why Minnesota might not want to go with him. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. There might be like, to me, you, you might be able to, you know, if you're the Knicks, trade with the Warriors to go up and get LaMelo. I think, you know, uh, that marriage might be a total mess, but I think it's something where if you're the Knicks, you need a name, you certainly need a guard. It's something worth doing, and the Warriors can probably still get who they want at eight. So, you know, whatever, um, you know, or, uh, or I should say six, but – uh, Lamelo, he does. Yeah, I think Lamelo arguably has the highest ceiling out of anybody in this draft. Um, obviously, you mentioned his size. Uh, Denny Abdiha. His passing, his passing is and it is. Abd Abdiha's passing is is wonderful too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about Denny because I mean I know he's a guy that a lot of Spurs fans have been thirsting over. Uh, I think maybe some of that thirst has helped him shoot up the draft boards. You know. All these evaluators are only looking at Spurs Twitter. Who are we excited <laughs> about? Um, but I mean, there's a there's a lot to love about this kid. He's uh, 
six ten and does everything. I mean, there's there's really not much he can't do on a basketball court. Uh, he's a disruptive defender. He's a special passer. His shot looks better and is uh, you know he's he's growing in consistency with that. He's putting on muscle. He looks like um, he's not too far from the most refined possible version of Luka Shamanich yeah. in my mind. Like he's, he's very, very crisp. Um, and so I understand why Spurs fans want him. I just can't see him dropping out of the top 10. Not dropping out of the top 10. I don't, I think he's for sure going top five, like latest possible is going to Cleveland. So I think yeah. if, if Cleveland can get him, they're going to get him. So, uh, and, and, and I don't see Atlanta passing on him. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see him out of the top five and I know how much Spurs fans love Denny. I love Denny too. I've always said, I don't love Denny as much as everybody else. I think Spurs Twitter and Spurs nation is very much like, I want Denny, like let's trade and get Denny. And I just, he looks like a spur. He look. he plays like a spur. Yeah. You know, he, if, if, the, if the lottery would have worked out a certain way, we would be here talking about Denny for an extended period of time because I think he would be a legitimate pick for the Spurs. But as we mentioned before, this draft is not built at the top of guys who we think are going to be necessarily world beaters. And it makes zero sense for the Spurs to trade up and trade assets to get Denny because I don't think Denny is that that much better than what they're going to get or, or he's worth the assets you're going to give up. It's just, you know, I think a big concern, right, is his free throw percentage. That's always a trendy thing to look at. Uh, not, uh, I think, for the longest time, I think, you think he's like just above 50% or something. Um, but, you know, mm. there are certain things with the shot mechanic that seem that that can change over time. And I don't know what relates to that worth mentioning that Denny is also one of those guys that was able to play post shutdown in the pandemic. So we're all yeah. the scouts and evaluators have to sort of use the game tape that they've had on college prospects from last year and not really get these updated videos, which um, they will sort of get now with the new combine that they're setting up. Uh, the NBA is running the combine. You have a list of like 20 guys that will be able to come in and, and do some stuff. No team personnel can show up, but you'll get, you'll get like a 45 minute session with video. So you're going to kind of get a little bit more knowledge. It's still going to be a very diluted sample size of what you normally get in the pre-draft process uh, with, by the way, the draft being now in mid November as the schedule has been shifted. So with Denny, there is a bit more film. He looked great in the restart. He looked bigger, uh, more assertive. His shot, you know, he's, he's been great from beyond the arc. Is that he shot 43% in the yeah. restart. So three. there was just, there was a lot to love about Denny. Alas, not going so, all to the Spurs. And I don't think he's somebody the Spurs should trade up and trade assets for. I think it's fair to say you're generally anti-trading up. If there was a player to trade up for in this draft, is there anybody like, you know, if Denny slipped to like eight 
and the Spurs thought they could uh, like yeah if that, do, if, look, do something. If that happened, I don't think that's even a possibility. If Denny were to be eight, and you have to just move up three spots and give, I don't, and give maybe, uh, maybe a, 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 I don't even know, we do a second, or you can give up Q. There's, there's, that's the thing about the Spurs. There's, there's not much to trade in assets because you really like most of what they have, and if you're going to give up a guy like Derek or Lonnie or Dejounte, yeah. I mean. To me, it's just like, I don't know what you're going to get back that's worth it. Um, you know, I would say arguably the one guy I would be willing to part with if the deal was right is DeJounte. Um, but again, I'm I'm just saying as a player. Maybe a hot take. That, yeah, I'm just saying I would I, if the deal was right. But again, let me go back to my first point, which is like there, most of the Spurs I want to run with. You know, like, I, I don't want to trade. I'm not trading Kelvin. I still need to see Luca. Like, if you're just going to draft Luca to trade him away, you essentially as an organization are saying, we messed up and we're getting rid of him because we don't know what he is yet. So why do you even draft him in the first place if this was how you were going to go about it? Um, so, I, you know, as I said, Q is maybe – and I like Q. I just – I don't know. Q, I mean, he's a role player, backup point guard who can step in. And just – he'd be a guy that I'd be willing to throw in. Uh, obviously, we, you know, I'm getting off topic. But, yes, in that scenario, I would trade up um, a couple of spots to a few spots to get a guy like Denny. Um, maybe, maybe if you don't want to sign Pirtle, I would think about doing it for Okongwu, who, I mean, I guess we can, sh- we can, we can talk about Okongwu now because there has not been a – He's probably not going to fall. There's not been a single draft I looked at where he's not a top ten pick. So, Onyeko Okongwu at a USC, um, man, what a special talent this guy is. He is, if you're looking for, like, that BAM sort of idea into the draft, like, he's sort of that guy. Just, and not to mention, uh, again, a free throw percentage uh, at, at 76%, I believe, like, somewhere in the mid-70s. Like, he's got a good shot. And I think uh, my screen's not up, but I think he's got, like, a 7-1 wingspan. So yeah. yeah, let me. It's something around there. He's got crazy size. He's gonna be one of the best wing defenders in the draft. Correct. Six foot nine, two hundred forty-five pounds, seven-one wingspan. He he has the foot speed to stay in front of a lot of guards, and he has the size and length to check a lot of centers. He's like, and he averaged sixteen points, nine rebounds, and almost three blocks a game last year at UHC. So, I mean, beast interior player. Um, if he can get a jump shot, that'll that'll start to be respectable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And I think be... there's a lot of potential there. So, <coughs> I think Excuse that, um, you know, Okongwu, you can convince me. If you are the Spurs and you believe Okongwu is the guy for you, you can convince me that he's worth trading up for a few picks and – potential I mean you'd probably have to trade uh, a conditional first rounder and just you know make it you know protected for a few years or something and do what you got to do but I would potentially be on board for that because I love Okongwu I think he is one of those guys that is a fairly safe pick so yeah he, I, he has a very lo- a very high floor 
just based on his defensive intensity and switchability and uh, impact on that end. Um, let's talk about a guy who's sort of the flip side of that coin, also six foot nine, also wingspan over seven feet, also 230 pounds. Uh, but this guy is uh, an offensive threat and really needs to work on defense. His name's Obi Toppin out of Dayton. And uh, most of the drafts that I, the mock drafts that I've seen have him in the top 10. He could theoretically slip because he's already 22 years old. And uh, like I said before, he's got some shortcomings on defense. Um, but he, he has the size to be very effective on that end if he starts paying attention. Um, the reason to draft him is because he averaged 20 points per game, eight rebounds per game. And I mean, talk about a do-it-all pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop big. Um, you know, he shot almost 40% on threes on over two attempts per game um, and just a nuclear-powered lob threat. Mm-hmm. Throw it anywhere near the rim and he's going up to get it and, and slam it down. One of the like best dunkers in this draft. He reminds me of Blake Griffin on that end of the floor. But like not even like college Blake Griffin, like learned how to shoot the ball Blake Griffin. Um and like like knees still work Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. So like it's 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 cool watching him play. I would love to see him running pick and roll with some of these Spurs guards. I mean, it would be really cool to see. So uh, the defense is a concern, but but what do you think about it? Yeah, Obi? I've always said this about Toppin, is he kind of reminds me of like a better Kuzma in the sense of like a lot – like a, I mean, there's a lot to love about his game offensively. And Kuzma – again, this take was more of when – like before Kuzma kind of had this whole year. So, <laughs> so this was kind of like a 2019 take. Um, but regardless – you know, big body. I mean, just offensively speaking, one of my favorite prospects in this draft. I mean, potentially my favorite offensive prospect in this draft. It is going to be hard for me to imagine he's going to step on the NBA and not put up points. That is something the Spurs certainly do need. They need a bucket getter. So if Toppin would in some way drop, which I think I've seen in one draft him drop in a mock draft, don't expect it. But if he were to draft, I think he would be somebody worth considering because I think the Spurs need that engine offensively. They have a lot of guys who can help out, and I don't know if they necessarily have that star player to deliver baskets for them. Keldon is sort of my hope that he is, you know, he's so assertive and aggressive. Obviously, DeMar, whatever happens with him, he's that guy for the Spurs as well. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, we'll see what happens with him as well. But – uh, top in offensively, I, like you mentioned pretty much all the major positives. The defense is a huge concern. Uh, what do you I, think I, the problem is with it? it just, I mean, because he has the tools. I, I just, lateral quickness. Like, I, I just – he just kind of like in quicksand defensively on – I just – He's just a step slow. He's just a step slow, and I don't know if that's because of his, his frame and his strong build and just like uh, he's, he just doesn't have that step to, to do what he has to do on the defensive side of the ball, and I just see him as a liability. Now, if you build 
you have Lonnie, DeJounte, um, Derek, and Obi Toppin on the court. Something very, we've talked about with DeMar DeRozan, right? If you surround yourself with those three guys, you might be able to hide Obi defensively and then just take all the positives <laughs> in his game and make him into a star. Um, There's also the part of me that wonders, like, how much of it is him just not wanting to expend en energy or pay attention on that end of the floor, and is that something that will get cleaned up once he gets to the league? That's and doesn't have to shoulder as much of a burden on, on the offensive end of the floor where he can yeah. just do his job on that end and focus on, you know, okay, I'm not, I'm going to rotate. I'm going to, I'm going to use my seven, two wingspan mm -hmm. to, you know, block some shots at the rim. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where <clears throat> a lot of these college players, um, you know, and we've seen it with some guys that the Spurs have drafted where, you know, they're, they're explosive athletes. They use that explosive athleticism to get buckets primarily. And as a result, <clears throat> their defensive impact is appears lower and is lower at the college level. Once they get to the NBA, it's like, all right, you need you're, the way you're going to earn minutes is by using that athleticism to play defense. And then that, kind of kind of flips a switch for guys. I think it will take a lot for Toppin to flip that switch. Um, yeah, I'm pretty down. I'm personally very down on his defensive game. Having said that, his offensive talents are so impressive that if you have a plan in place to kind of hide some of his defensive deficiencies, it really could elevate him into a potential all-star. So that's my, again, that's another half-glass goal <laughs> thinking. And I think the Spurs have the defensive pieces they can build around a guy like that. But just understand what you're getting. And I, I, I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to figure things out on the defensive side of the ball. So you're just going to have to make a good game plan there and just accept what he gives you and, and take, the, take the good with the bad. All right. So another guy that we need to talk about who only played a couple of college games, uh, James Wiseman. Seven foot one center has drawn some comparisons to David Robinson. Um, what what have you seen out of this guy in the limited tape, and uh, what are some things to like? What are some reasons he might fall? Um, so my thing about Wiseman is he actually could be an all star, like one of the few guys in this draft where I'm like I can definitely see this guy being. Uh, at least a one or two time all-star. The difference being is I don't, I don't know his ceiling. We've seen this now in the modern NBA, like, okay, you have a guy like Hassan Whiteside, regular season, just awesome numbers, great rim protector, one of the best defenders, uh, Rudy Gobert too. Same thing. Just, I mean, there is value with that. Then you get to the playoffs and kind of exploited a little bit. So I don't know how good it is to invest so highly into a big man who can't necessarily do much else. Like, I mean, maybe his shot comes around and if he can hit those mid-range jumpers, that certainly puts him into a totally different category as some other big guys. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, Pirtle can't do that. Um, Gobert, I mean, 
white side. Like a lot of these guys are, are not really hitting out outside shots. So um, my, my biggest question mark is his ceiling. What is, is he really going to be able to take over gains at the next level? I just don't think so. Um, but having said that, he is one of the best rim protectors in the draft. I have a hard time imagining he's not going to have a solidified role with a team. I think he would work great with a team like the Warriors. Um, but, you know, for like if I'm thinking about the Spurs, though, uh, it just doesn't make much sense. I'd rather just go later in the draft for a guy, a, a big player. Like there, there are a few other names out there. I'd rather just wait until the second round. And that, I mean, it just is like I just, I just these are not guys I want to like rally around um, as like, hey, they're gonna really deliver us and put us over the edge. I just I don't see that in Wiseman. I just see a very good player who's gonna help a defensively deficient team. I, I think the thing with Wiseman is, like you said, he's right now in that category of more limited role big men. Uh, he could be very, very good in that role. Um, but there are a lot of questions about, um, you know, his his will to, to play the game that I've seen. You know, the, the way things went at Memphis was – it was messy. He only played, what, three games? Yeah. Um, and and I, it was, it was well, eligibility stuff, so, you Yeah, know. it was weird, and, and I don't even really put that much weight into it, honestly. Just the, the, the rough part is that in high school, he was such a dominant force. Like, I don't know how seriously he had to play, you know? Right. Like, it's just he's going essentially from high school to the NBA, which, you know, tons of players have done previously. That's not a big surprise that someone can succeed like that, but there's going to be a learning curve and he's going to have to figure out his role within the bigger picture and understand that he is not going to just waltz right in and dominate everybody around him. You know, it's just, it's a different, it's a different kind of role in the NBA. And uh, if he can flash some range, I think that would greatly improve my position on him. I just, you know, we don't necessarily have to think about that with the Spurs and drafting him. It just, it's a pass for me. And I think, you know, uh, think about a team. Honestly, think about a team like the, the, the Timberwolves. Like, shot in the dark, Timberwolves, the Hawks. Like, these are teams that just suck defensively. They could really use a rim protector. They could really help them a lot. So would that be reaching? Totally. But would he fit in their system? Yeah. So what's the difference? I mean – I wouldn't hate that pick from the Timberwolves. Like, I just yeah. – in this draft, there's no Zion Williamson that they're passing up. So, it's like, oh, they passed up Anthony Edwards. Oh, they passed up LaMelo Ball. Whatever. I mean, Wiseman's going to come in and be effective. I, I hear what you're saying with the jump from high school to the NBA, especially for a player like him, right? Like, high school, a seven foot one muscle-bound freak <laughs> is the best player on the floor 99 times out of 100. In the NBA, that's a center. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's definitely going to be um, – I, I think his skill set is going to be one similar to eight, right, where even if he irons out all of those other parts of his game, he's still going to be more of a role player. Right? Um, yeah, that's – exactly. So, Aiden is a great example. Like, is Aiden a bad player? No. 
are you bragging about having Aiton? No. So it's like, that's just the way I feel about Wiseman. I don't want to like knock him and say he's a bad player. That's not what I'm doing. It's just like, I don't see him being this earth shattering player. He's going to be a good piece. He'll be a good piece. And that's, you know, for some teams, he fits way better than others. And he can certainly fit for the Spurs in that role. Um, I just would rather swing at some other pieces. Let's let's talk about uh, a couple of guards that are still on our imaginary board here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Tyrese Halliburton, uh, French Manu, who our uh, ill co-host Jackson Floyd uh, has has verbalized that he wants very much, and that's Killian Hayes. Love Killian uh, Hayes. Oh, and Cole Anthony, these are these are three guards that have uh, a lot of hype around them. So, what do you, what do you think about these three guys? I have, I'll be honest, I have been focusing more on wing players. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've said this before in the past as well. I don't. I, when it comes to me and the Spurs and their draft strategy, I'm not somebody that says they have to take wing. They should just take the best available player. That's the way that all small market teams should work. Having said that, I do think I look with a wing uh, mentality when thinking about San Antonio. But a guy who I would, I would be throwing in people's faces on Twitter just being like, hey, you've got to give this guy a chance, is Killian Hayes. Uh, Killian Hayes is a remarkable talent. Just really an electrifying player. The big knock is that he is uh, so so lefty dominant that that's a problem. Now, he is going to be at the NBA Combine, so he's going to have a great opportunity to showcase his ability to use his right hand. That is going to be some important video that teams need and want to see. So we'll see what happens there with, with him. Uh, beyond that, I mean, like just like outside of the, the one-handedness, like – Holy smokes. If you just put on the, the tape for a little bit, it's just like his ability to pass is remarkable. Playmake. Um, you know, he's got a little sizzle to his game as well. So, uh, I mean, I'm just super high on Killian Hayes. And I think you, you bring in Hayes. And um, when contracts are, you know, theoretically, you can let Hayes kind of work his way into a role next year and then. If you think he is ready to get the keys to the car, you, you make a trade. Uh, you know, I don't know. You, you figure it out. You, you find a spot for him. Um, again, you can manipulate lineups. You can move, you know, nobody says that DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie have to start. You can make them an important role in the, the second unit, and they still provide, uh, you know, tremendous value. So uh, I'm, I'm all for Killian Hayes. Tyrese Halliburton, uh, also, I really love him. Um, not as much sizzle in his game, but just um, if you want to talk about a guy who I think has like, is one of the safest picks in the draft. I think Tyrese Halliburton is one of those guys, just uh, high IQ, great decision maker, lanky as all hell. I mean, you like his wingspan. I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's, it's sexy. And um, he just like fundamentally sound, like he just plays a really, good brand of basketball. And I would have, a, I would be shocked if Tyrese Halliburton um, was not a very consistent player in whatever role he played. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star, but I just think that whatever role you give Tyrese Halliburton, he's going to find success at it. And 
Uh, I don't think he's going to bust out of the league. I think he's going to be around a long time. So um, the, the Halliburton, yeah. So that, I mean, oh, and then and Cole Anthony, he's a guy that I'm kind of like I was really down on. Uh, by the way, I don't think Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony is going to be taken in the top ten. So I think he's going to be there for the Spurs. I think this is where we're falling into the tipping point of would I take Cole Anthony over one of the the forwards that I'm thinking of? Probably not. That's kind of where I'm leaning. But, um, you know, I can definitely see Cole Anthony being an electric offensive threat. And if you just kind of calmed him down and allowed him to do less with the ball, because I think he wants to always make plays and um, be this electrifying force offensively, I think you can really find a good niche role for him uh, to where he can – light up the box score, at least from a points perspective. And I think he's got a lot of potential on the defensive side as well. So I was actually really down on Cole Anthony and I'm kind of coming back around saying, you know what, maybe, maybe he's going to be pretty good at the next level. Um, a, a highly touted prospect out of high school, went to North Carolina, got injured, injured. I believe he tore his meniscus, came back, had some good games, had some bad games, very inconsistent. But, you know, after that injury, I don't know what to expect out of the gates as well. Uh, he also, this is one of the worst North Carolina teams we've seen in I don't know how long. So he was doing a lot. Um, so I, I think there, I think Cole Anthony is a, a, a pretty good prospect and I think Cole Anthony will wind up in the lottery, maybe like one of the last picks in the lottery, but uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's going to, the Spurs are going to take him. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, all right, so now we've gone through a good number of prospects, and we're getting into that range where uh, I, I think some of these guys are now going to be available for the Spurs at 11. So with that in mind, let's talk about some of these wing players that are probably going to or potentially going to come out of the top 10. Uh, one guy who I have seen in the top 10 for a lot of these, but I've also seen drop is Isaac Okoro. Uh, now, the thing with Okoro that uh, makes him less desirable to me than some of these other wings uh, are his size and his shooting. He's six foot six with a six nine wingspan, which is good for a guard, mm -hmm. maybe for a small forward. Um, he, he's excellent defender team defender, individual defender. He's taken the toughest assignment. He's a, a pest. Um, and he is also a really solid finisher. His footwork is great. He's good at spin moves, euros. He gets to the rim well. Um, but his weakness is his shooting and his shot creation. Um, and the Spurs already have a bunch of guys who – Big, long arms, freaky defenders, but that that one piece they still need to work on is the shot. So he may be he may have one of the highest ceilings for players in this range if he can get that shot going. And I know the Spurs can get a guy to fix his shot, but I also know that it's not a sure thing. So do you really want another young guy who's at his best attacking the rim with the ball in his hands and needs to work on his shot. 
what do you what do you think in terms of fit with the Spurs? So yeah, I mean, we we can bring him with Chip and get his shot worked out. I mean, from that perspective, if we're worried about it, the San Antonio Spurs have one of the best shot doctors in the league. So if you were looking to take that risk, you certainly have the guy that you believe in to fix it up. I love Okoro. I don't love him for the Spurs. As you mentioned, just probably the best defensive prospect if we're, you know, I won't put in like rim protectors and all that stuff, but probably the best defensive prospect in the draft. His shot is a question mark. It is a legitimate question mark. And when you have a line, a, a, a squad built like the San Antonio Spurs, when you have guys like DeJounte still figuring out his role offensively with his shot, when you have a guy um, like Lonnie Walker, who came out of college trying to figure out his shot. Uh, you're still working on Luca. Uh, there's just, you know, when you're already, you know, the, the biggest complaint for the Spurs right now is like, oh, we don't play defense, yada, yada, yada. Like, eventually that is going to change in two to three years. And the Spurs are going to be uh, uh, just a sick defensive team. And right now, I don't know what their offensive projection would be. So that's going to change in the future. And I just, I think it's more valuable for the Spurs to find somebody who can put the ball in the hoop than defend because you have guys who can defend like down the line. Like I just, you know, Lonnie, DeJounte, Derek, I mean, like that's your core right there. Keldon, we believe in. I don't know what Luke is going to bring to the table on that side of the ball, but nonetheless, you have like four really stingy guys and I just don't know, like, Okoro, you just kind of – you're adding some length, and I get that. But I, I just – for San Antonio, I'm just not on the Okoro chain. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say – nail on the head when you say love him as a player, not quite feeling the, the fit for the Spurs. Correct. Um, so let's talk about a guy who can defend and also – can put the ball in the hole like really good. That guy is Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, I think, without a doubt, the best three and D prospect in this draft. There's one more that we'll talk about, but I mean, and especially for what the Spurs need, he's six foot seven, two hundred pounds, six ten wingspan. Um, this is a guy who shot. from three at Florida state. Um, He can stand in the dunker spot and get dunks. He is uh, really good in transition. Um, He is a wing combo forward that you can run off of screens uh, to get him open for threes. He's got great form. Um, He's a complete pest on defense. Um, and, I mean, he, he's – there really aren't too many weaknesses to his game. He's not going to be able to switch on too many centers. He's not going to be like a, a small ball five type yeah. guy. Um, but – and, you know, he, he's not going to put the ball on the floor very much. He's not going to create his own shot. But in terms of pairing it – in pairing a player with this young Spurs core, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better fit than Devin Vassell. Yeah, uh, when you're talking about a player that I absolutely think San Antonio should take if he's there, Vassell, near the top of my board, a fan favorite on 
Twitter, social media, and I think it's warranted. I think in the modern NBA, he's what so many teams are looking for right now. I think a, um, a very common NBA comp we're seeing with him is Danny Green. I think he is a projectable NBA starter, which for a lot of these guys, I don't necessarily believe is the case. I don't think, I think he has a, a high floor with also a high ceiling. And I mean, you mentioned all the good parts. It, it just, it is exactly what the Spurs need. He can provide offensive, uh, he, can, he can give you the three ball from a position you do not have right now on your roster. You need a replacement for Rudy Gay, as this is going to be his last year if he's not traded in the offseason. So Vassell is the guy. Like, he is what you want, and there are some other 3 and D prospects that we'll get to. Vassell is just one of those guys on that list, and he is my top guy. I just, I, I think that, I think he can, he can come in, get drafted, and I know no matter what, the, the prospect's probably going to get sent to Austin anyway because that's what the Spurs do. But I think Vassell can come in and pretty much find a role for himself immediately uh, if that's something that San Antonio would be willing to do and, and let happen. We'll, we'll talk about those other 3 and D guys in a sec. First, I want to talk about his teammate at Florida State who has also gone to the Spurs in a lot of these mock drafts, Pat Williams. Little taller, six foot eight, two hundred twenty-five pounds, bulkier, six eleven wingspan. Um, not nearly as good a shooter. Shot thirty-two percent from three, although he has projectable form, and you know that's something that can be worked on. Um, the main reasons to draft him would be his size and strength and versatility and IQ and motor. Um, you know, he's got a very good combination of all of those things in that big body, um, and that makes his floor pretty high as well because he can make an impact with his energy on defense, um, you know, getting to dirty areas of the floor, setting screens, things like that. Um, how would you compare him to Vassell? So I just think Vassell is a bit more polished. The thing about Williams, and he has been one of the fastest risers during the pandemic, I think he's a guy where – People have so much time on their hands. They're allowing themselves to invest in tons of tape. And when you look at Williams, what he can do and what he did in sort of a limited role at Florida State, you say, wow, like this guy, we haven't even seen the best of this guy yet. And uh, so, so comparing Vassell to Williams, one, one is a bit more refined product. Uh, the other one, when you talk about Williams, he is the second youngest player in the draft. So that is going to be very attractive for a lot of GMs. They're obsessed with age. I don't get why we're so obsessed with guys who are like 23 is like, oh my gosh. Um, like they can't be successful all the way to 33. But the, his age and his projectability make him into uh, a potential top 10 pick. Uh, I, I like Williams a lot. This is where I always kind of resort back to a little bit of more, like less is more. Um, I'd rather take the refined version than the projected piece. Like Williams comes in, sending him to Austin. And I love his game. I love what he could do. We don't know yet. There's still some questions. We, we think uh, he is going to be a special player. He certainly fulfills a need at a, 
at a position that the NBA so covets. I just think that he's a bit more of a work in progress. So if that's something that the Spurs are interested in and going a little bit younger, I have no problem with it. Just if you're a fan, understand it's going to be a little bit of time. You got to be a little bit more patient with Williams. He's not going to step onto the court day one and play with the big boys. He's going to go down to Austin and he's going to blossom from there. Yep. I hear that. Mm -hmm. So there are two more guys that are a little bigger bodied, more interior players that I want to talk about. Uh, First is precious Achua, uh, six foot nine, seven, two wingspan. Uh, Average 16 and 11 per game at and nearly two blocks per game at Memphis shot 33% from three. So needs some work, but for a player that size, that's projectable as, as a skill that can be worked on. Um, Another one of those guys where he's big and strong and smart and just always doing something on the basketball court. Um, what have you seen from him, and do you think the Spurs would be reaching a little bit if they took him at 11? I personally think so. It would take a lot of people to fall off the board for me to be like, all right, let's grab Precious. When you, when you watch the tape, I mean, I'm somebody that loves effort, and he is just – I mean, he went to Memphis, grit and grind, man. Like, I will fight with that guy. Like, you know, like if I'm yeah. his teammate, like I'm willing to go to war with that guy and – and let's make some things happen. So he certainly appeals to the average fan. Like if he came to San Antonio, you're going to love his game. I don't know his ceiling, to be 1,000% honest. I just don't. I, I, love, I love his wingspan. You know, with the San Antonio organization, we know they love wingspan. That's certainly um, his ability to switch off of any body uh, defensively. Like he is somebody, I think, that can – like, if you think about, like, the Houston Rockets, if you want to play small ball five, like, that's a guy I think could absolutely play that small ball five. Um, having said that, not, a, not in love with him. I like him. Uh, offensively speaking, don't know what he's going to provide there. So you mentioned the three-point numbers. It's not bad. Um, not, not great either, and I don't necessarily know if I'm going to see him light up the board, uh, the, the, the box score in, in other ways, you know, when he's playing with more athletically gifted guys, he's going to meet his match sometimes. Uh, just, I just, I just love his effort. His, his, his effort is going to get him some, some important brownie points with some organizations and, and fans and whoever gets him is going to get a fighter and, and if the Spurs get him, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I personally just don't know his ceiling. So I'd rather take some other guys who I think have a higher ceiling. And since a lot of these guys have high ceiling, low floors, there are some guys in this draft that I think have higher floors than others. And him, I think he's one of the, the classic guys in this draft. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think his ceiling is as high as some other guys. I just don't. So one other sort of bigger guy that's been linked to the Spurs actually a couple times uh, and recently said that he had spoken to them, Jalen Smith yeah. out of Maryland. Uh, what have you seen from him? I, I like his, uh, his three-point shot. 
Yeah. And he's a, he's a good interior player. So, so what are some weaknesses? Why isn't he higher on the board? Yeah. So uh, to, to be honest, uh, I watched a lot of Jalen Smith during like the actual big 10 season as an Ohio state alumnus. Uh, I'm able to see a bit more of the big 10. Uh, I have not delved like completely into his video yet this week. The reports kind of like he had an interview with the Spurs. We knew that RC checked out Jalen Smith during the season as well. So uh, I definitely think there is something here in the Spurs organization where they like Jalen Smith at 11 pass. I don't know if they're just hoping he drops. I don't know if they're hoping to trade up into the first round, though trading up into the first round seems a bit odd because now you're taking another guaranteed contract. So you're just kind of trading down. You mean trading? Sorry, trading down. Yeah, my bad. So no, no, well, I guess if they trade down, I, I was thinking they can, they can also expend an asset to trade up to get him and, you know, trade your second and maybe uh, first later down the road to move up into the later portion of the first round. Um, but I, I, for some reason, I haven't really thought about them trading down. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. If they were to trade down because they like Jalen that much, that's okay. I'm okay with them getting some assets to trade down to get him. I will say this. I mean, what are they going to get? Like, are they going to get a second rounder? Because to me, second rounders are, like, fairly worthless in the NBA. Like, they are. They just – we can, we can talk – we can cherry pick success stories in the second round. Uh, we can also cherry pick success stories with undrafted free agents. So, uh, I don't know. But, but Jalen Smith, I love his shot. I, I, I love his shot. Um, I actually his, – his defense is tremendous. Will he be able to body up some bigger guys that he might be assigned to? I don't know, but I think, only listed at 215 pounds. Yeah, so I need. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. But when you talk about a um, uh, a big guy who can stretch the floor and provide a bit of a mismatch for other teams, I think he certainly fits that mold. Um, yeah, you know what, like. Uh, I got, I got, I got to watch a little bit more of him, and I got to think more about the Spurs trading down because I've always thought about the Spurs trading up for picks, trading up in certain scenarios. I guess I'm not the world's biggest trade down guy, but in this draft, I wouldn't hate it. So yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good point you brought up. I think Jalen Smith uh, would certainly be a target for them with just the amount that I've heard the Spurs are linked to Jalen Smith. Disclaimer also, you're going to hear a lot of people having interviews with the Spurs. I said this on Twitter. Just understand because the Spurs interview somebody does not mean that they're going to draft that person. It doesn't mean that they love that person either. They're just doing their due diligence, and that's what they're supposed to do, especially during these times where it's just Zoom meetings. So, you know, let them them check in. And, you know, you hear stories all the time too. There are teams that don't even interview prospects they like because they don't want that out there in the universe. So they want to let other teams think that, oh, they didn't interview them, they didn't do this. And then, boom, how many prospects do we hear like, man, I never even worked out for them and they took me. Like, I don't know. I got to talk with them. We hear it all the time. So just the pre-draft stuff, no matter what sport you look at, there's a lot of smoke, a lot of people trying to manipulate voices out there and, you know, send some screeners. So – uh, but I do think the Jalen Smith one's legitimate. We've had we have heard him linked to the Spurs for a while now. 
Yep. All right, one more guy here. This is a smaller shooter. Uh, this guy out of Vanderbilt, Aaron Neesmith, mm -hmm. uh, six foot six, so projects as a shooting guard, small forward type, smaller small forward, but knockdown three point shooter, um, a decent defender. He's not quite as much of an ace as Okoro or Vassell, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and he's a little smaller. So for for me, I would prefer Vassell 100 times out of 100 for this Spurs core. Um, and really for, for most other teams, if I'm being perfectly honest. But Naismith is still a, a very solid player who will probably make a good impact at the NBA level, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I mean, pretty much what you said. The thing about Neesmith is he probably, like, let's just, let's just throw Danny Green back out there, right? Doesn't probably have the defensive ceiling of Danny Green. Similar three-point shot, though I think that Neesmith has the potential to be a bit more consistent with a bit more flair to his overall offensive game. I think he does have the ability to pop in some other shots, but uh, – his numbers at Vanderbilt before his injury were just out of this world from beyond the arc. We don't know how much weight to put into that. It was just 13 games, I believe. And he was obviously going to regress to the mean at some point. I think it was, I, I don't have it from. It yeah. Like, he was on a, he was on a heater heater. It was, it was unsustainable. It was over something. It might've been over 50. Like, um, it, yeah, I think it's like 48%. If I remember off the top of my head, regardless, just insane stuff. I mean, there's so much to like about his ability to, to shoot beyond the arc where he's absolutely a lottery type pick. And, and every report that you read about Neesmith, by the way, like just an absolute leader, a real Spursian type guy, just nobody says a bad word about this dude. Uh, so I, I think in that respect, you want to put like those intangibles in um, he is, like spurs all the way as far as culture goes. But yeah, yeah I mean, when I talked about this, Vassell and like, Hey, there's some other guys that I would definitely consider at this spot who I like, but Vassell's at the top. Neesmith is one of those guys would not hate Neesmith, would not hate Neesmith, would just not prefer him over Vassell. The, the thing with this draft that should be pretty clear based on our discussion is, you know, if he's a knockdown shooter, he's probably a little on the shorter side. You know, if he's a bigger guy, there are some other areas of his game that he needs to iron out. Nobody in this draft is like, can guard five positions, can knock down threes, can handle the ball, can play in the interior, right? That guy doesn't exist, no, right? I, wait, okay. wait, it's wrong. It's incorrect Sadiq it's Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay is the guy Sadiq Bay out of Villanova is in my opinion uh the most slept on prospect in this draft I don't know why he isn't higher on a lot of boards um mostly I've seen him going somewhere in the 15 to 20 range if the Spurs took him at 11 I don't think it would be a reach and I wouldn't be upset about it at all because this guy can flat out shoot it. Last year at Nova, his sophomore season, he shot 45% from three. And this is a guy who's six foot eight, big body, can literally switch one through five. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, obviously he'll he'll have some trouble staying in front of some guards and he'll have some trouble uh, bodying up some centers. But this is, I think, the most versatile player, versatile wing player in the draft. Um, and, you know, played for Jay Wright, really learned that system. He's a team player. He is a guy who, watching the tape, um, you know, I, I'm I'm giving a lot of descriptors that uh, are not super sexy. You know, it's versatile, useful, like can do a lot of different things well. Sounds like, you know, oh, all right, so he's just a guy who can do a lot of things. But, like, he's got some flair to his game. He's, he's not a flashy player, but he does – he makes plays that make you pause it and rewind it five seconds and say, wow, out loud. Um, and you can run him off screens to get him three-point shots. Um, I, I would love to see Sadiq Bey play alongside this person. He might not be as high on a lot of boards as a guy like Devin Vassell, but, I mean, I, I would love to see it. What, what have you seen from Sadiq Bey? So, yeah, I'm, you're the Sadiq Bey guy, so obviously <laughs> – I'm not going to top that. Um, here's my thing about Sadiq Bay is you want to mention Jay Wright. Jay Wright and Greg Popovich have a connection. So if there is something building there, you know that those two are going to be able to have a conversation and get really the down low about Sadiq Bay. Jay Wright ran everything through Sadiq Bay in the clutch. He was their go-to guy. Uh, just their absolute unquestioned leader, whether they need to stop defensively or bucket late. They went to Sadiq Bay. That means a lot. So that's very important. Certainly a guy who I think is going to make an impact at the next level, hang around a while in the NBA, a fairly safe choice in that regard. My one thing about him is I don't know if he does anything great. I think he does a lot of very good. Now, we started this whole thing off with Jamal Murray, who we thought was in that same world as well. Doesn't mean that you can't eventually become great and you see a lot of the potential to be great. Uh, just for me right now, you, you know, you kind of have, it's just like versatility is a great word, uh, but, but there is nothing for me that jumps out consistently saying, man, like this is an elite skill. So that's my one overarching like negative I guess is that I don't see anything necessary that is like a plus plus, but I like him. I I, I definitely like him. So I won't, you know what I would say that that skill is it does, it doesn't jump out on a lot of the tape, but I saw after watching a whole bunch of it going down a rabbit hole, uh, I saw a video where he went through some of his tape. Mm-hmm. and talked about what was going on, the scheme they were using, why he did certain things. Um, and I think that his elite skill is understanding the game of basketball. And because he understands the game of basketball at a very high level, and because he has the versatility to do a whole bunch of different things, mm-hmm. he knows what needs to be done, and he has the tools to go do it from skill and size. So I, 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 think, I think that's his elite skill, 
And I think it's one that the Spurs would love to work with and have in the locker room and, you know, have him learn the system and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, again, is one of those guys who there, there's tremendous balance to his game. And I really can't think of a single thing he couldn't do on the basketball court. So, um, so that's what attracts me to Sadiq Bay as a prospect. Uh, was there was there anyone that we missed? Any, um, anyone that we should talk about? Oh, Poku. We should probably talk about say, Poku. I just want to mention quickly on, on Poku. Um, I think we both uh, agree. Alexei Pokusowski yeah, yeah, for the we, uninitiated. Uh, we, I think we agree on this. Um, he is a guy where, uh, you know, what, 7-2, he can dribble like a guard. I mean, sure. I mean, like, if you're talking about, hey, who can be the next Giannis? Who can be that? Certainly him. He needs, like, another 50 pounds on him. But, uh, you know, Giannis was a stick when he came into the league as well, too. So, yeah, I mean, when you watch his tape, it's like, whoa, how is a guy this big doing something like that? He is a project and a risk. And when you draft Lucas Shamanich the year before, I find it no way possible to then take Poku and go and double down on it. Like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I've mentioned this in the past. The Boston Celtics have like three first round picks. They need somebody at that position. Let it rip, Boston. Let it rip. I think that would yeah. be a wonderful, a wonderful pick for them. For the Spurs, you did it with Luca. Let's see how that pans out. But I, I don't want to be riding the Luca and Poku train. Um, for the next three years, wondering what do they have? So that's just agree. I I'm with you all the way. The thing with Poku is there's like 15 minutes of tape on the guy total. Uh, there there's really not much there. He's like a unicorn in the wild. A unicorn and in the wild. Like it's it's Bigfoot riding a unicorn is what it is because like it's so wild. And you you see it and you can't believe it, but uh, you you're not going to see too much of it. He's he's one of the youngest guys in this draft. Is is he the youngest guy in the draft? I, I don't know if he's the youngest, but he's certainly one of them. Um, and you know his shots a project, his overall game is a project, his body is a project, and like Evan said, um, it would shock me and horrify me if the Spurs reached for him at 11, the year after they took Shamanich by reaching at 19, um, you know, that, that, that would shock and horrify me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because there are so many other players that we have already talked about that could make a much more immediate, reliable impact yeah. on this team at, at positions of need. Yeah. So, um, with that in mind, is, is there anybody else that you wanted to talk about? Did we miss anybody? Uh, I mean, I'm sure people out there can name a prospect that would be in consideration, you know, like a Tyrese Maxey, who I like elements of his game. Um, I, you know, it seems like if I wonder if, you know, the Spurs want to ride the Kentucky bandwagon forever. Um, but you know, I, I just think that like Maxi might be the, the last guy on the list that I would think about of 
maybe like the Spurs could take him. Everybody else, I'm just I don't think it's in in our sphere. So right. But yeah, so that that's pretty much where I stand. All right. Well, I think with that we're going to wrap this episode of the Big Fun Pod from Kent's Five. Uh, we were we were going to talk a little bit about free agent uh, targets and maybe some trade targets, uh, but we, we went a little long today. We could save that for another day. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you guys. So let us know on Twitter, at Big Fun Pod, who do you want to see the Spurs trade for? Who do you yeah. want to see the Spurs go it, after it in free agents? up. Give, it, give, us some, if we, give us some help. We'll discuss it. If we missed any prospects in this one, let us know. Um, this is uh, this is going to be what most of my basketball uh, IQ is used for in the next month or so. So uh, I'm going to be thinking about these things. I know you guys are because you're as obsessed as I am. Um, and in the meantime, NBA Finals start tonight, man. Uh who who do you think wins game one? Lakers. Under Lakers. I, I have Lakers winning just like simple, five, huh? so I'll go with the Lakers and go with the odds. But I not you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game. Lakers outside of last series against Denver, I mean, they really haven't been good in game one, so we'll see what happens. You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go spicy. I think the Miami Heat shocked the world here. Okay, I, I would. I think they the hot takes would be would be phenomenal. I think they win in six games. Okay, but you think that's, the Heat win the series in six? I think the Heat win the series in six. Okay, okay. I think Bam Adebayo is going to put Anthony Davis in a blunder. In a blunder. I don't want to hear any more of this Anthony Davis Tim Duncan comparison. Oh, I need to be at least. 30 for that to be a sentence that I hear. All right. And if I ever get to 30, God help us all. All right. Well, having said all of that, this has been a fun show. I'm glad you got that Evan. off the cast. This is therapeutic as well. Yeah, no, this is, this is good. This is a safe space. Let's hang around after and chat offline about, uh, you know, all of our puppy raising techniques and life uh, problems. Yeah. We, Damn dog, got a ton of energy. We next next show we'll bring our our doggy co-hosts on as well. Okay, uh, since we're working yeah. from home. Thanks, um, Jackson. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Like Jackson, Jackson can bring his actual baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be funny. Um, but yeah, with that, I think we're gonna wrap it. And uh, my name is Tom Petrini. You can find me on Twitter at real Tom Petrini. There are a lot of fakes out there. Uh, and we're together on Twitter at Big Fun Pod. Mm-hmm. Let us know your suggestions over there. Evan, yeah. where can the good people find you on the tweeters? You find me at Evan Klofsky. That is C L O S K Y. And yeah, please join the discussion. We would love to have you ask us questions about what you want to see the Spurs do in the offseason. Of course, we'll drum up something big for the the NBA draft. But um, this could be a really exciting offseason and. There are a lot of options out there, you know, Heat, Denver. Uh, what are the Pacers going to do with Victor Oladipo? Can the Spurs and Boston maybe do a LaMarcus Aldridge for Gordon Hayward switch? Just take a problem for a problem and just, just you know, look, I don't know. They, they need LaMarcus. Spurs could use Hay- uh, Gordon Hayward. 
let's let it rip. So a um, lot of intriguing options there that we can have some fun with and, and see what, what's percolating. All right, Spurs fans, do you be safe out there. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. We'll Which see you next time. My good bar. Thank you.